baby. Take me back to circa 2000. I've got 2000. Nelly playing on the radio. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe a little BSB going on. Britney's blasting. We're mm-hmm. having a good old time. Or a Beyond- career is still relevant. oh folks we're talking early knots early aughts depending on if you speak american or british english and we're going back guys i can't even believe it 2000 was 20 years ago what the I feel hell is like that the, about like the 2000s just happened like I, it just it was yesterday the fact that we're saying it was two decades ago is mind-blowing to me absolutely like mind-blowing it. i think that upsets me more because that means that the 90s was three decades ago that, thank you thank you mm-hmm. and the 90s mm-hmm. was just yesterday in my yeah. mind I, was, I just remember dancing to tlc's creep uh, thinking, wow, those silk pajamas are so nice. I wish I had some silk pajamas like that. And then fast forward to now in the pandemic, you're like, I wish I had some pajamas like that. I still do want those silk pajamas from the TLC Creep music video. Anyway, guys, welcome to Crush Fictionally. You know what this podcast is about. And if you don't, it's all about the fictional characters we love from movies, TV shows, and books. I'm Kimberly Trong, and by my virtual side is my co-host, Michelle Varang. Hello, 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 everyone. And we have a special guest with us today, y'all. She has her own podcast and called Tutia Bruja. I think I pronounced that right. Or <laughs> somewhat close to it. Definitely Gringa pronounced it uh, that way. And she is Bex. Carlos. Welcome, Bex. Thank you so much for having me. Now, tell us a little bit about your podcast, because I feel like it has a lot of cool things going on, and I'm not even going to begin to do it justice. So give us a little bit of a taste of what your podcast is about. Sure. So, okay. It's, it's so weird because I haven't been doing it for very long. So earlier this year, I went to Mexico before pre, pre-COVID, and I don't know, there was something about being there, um, like, in... And I guess like Hispanic culture, like your like family members who are younger than you will call you Thea, even if they're not your Thea. And it was like, you know, it was one of the first times that I was hanging out with like a lot of the younger kids because, you know, I live in the States, they live in Mexico and, you know, I don't see them all the time. And there was just this feeling of like, I'm like someone's aunt, like I need to grow up. And, uh, but at the same time, like. I've realized that there's so many people, like I think now is a time where so many people are starting to find the things that give them power, which, you know, has been, Mm. Uh, but I don't necessarily think that finding the practices like of your ancestors and the things that connect you to self and the rest of the world is necessarily a bad thing. Um, Yeah. Definitely not. Yeah. So my show is all about just like being that witchy aunt that you would have wanted. I did want that. I still I do. do. I do want that. I was going to say, I do want that. I do want that. 
I didn't have that. (laughs) Well, okay. So I love this thing, like be the person that you needed. I didn't have a witchy aunt. So it's like, I'm I'm becoming other people's witchy aunt. So it's been amazing. Every once in a while, like someone sends me this very heartfelt message about how like I made them feel more connected to self or their ancestors or something. (gasps) And honestly, like that is the most rewarding thing because it's like, it is the best. First, as someone who just felt like they were so fucked up for so long, and I was just like, why can't I figure things out? It's so nice to, even in some way, spark something that, you know, makes people happier within themselves. So absolutely. Especially, yeah, especially this year where there is just so much going on. That's part of the reason why Michelle and I started this podcast is we we just want to be laughing and have a good time and hopefully our listeners are doing the same and it's not doom we're we're kind of a hopefully a palate cleanser to the doom and gloom that is happening outside in the world so i love that i i've listened to a few of your episodes and they're fantastic you interview like really cool people um you had sapphire sandalo if i'm pronouncing her name right um Yeah, yeah, Sandalo, who, funny enough, I know from one of my shows that my boyfriend absolutely hates me watching called (laughs) Paranormal Caught on Camera. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, I just said that on the record and I, whatever. I watch Paranormal Caught on Camera. Judge me at me. I don't care. Anyway, Sapphire's on that show. When I saw that you interviewed her, I was like, that's so cool. So you spanned everything from like ghost stories, like paranormal type things, tarot readings. Yeah. Like uh, how did you like, how do you come up with these topics? What are you looking to explore with the podcast other than being the auntie, the witchy auntie to everybody? I just think that there's so many, so many people have moments in their lives that like, were that like tipping point where like they realize their own power, you know what I mean? Or they found something out. And I feel like at the end of the day, it's all about stories. Like it's all about figuring out the things that like really just either put you on your path, like things that you did that like really kind of um, set you in it, like made you think it's, it's all about thinking differently. Cause I think with witchcraft, a lot of people are scared about what they don't know. And so having these normal conversations with all different types of people, and a lot of them don't consider themselves practitioners. I consider them practitioners because I see the things that they do and the way that they connect with self and like, you know, doing something with purpose that's beyond themselves. So it's like every episode's different. You know, we've had conversations, like you said, where we have tarot readings and, you know, that's just kind of like the finger quote witchy element that's incorporated on top of like the purposeful story. But then like some people have paranormal experiences and we talk about that because I think that's a sensitivity that people don't always explore or they think that like if they have it, it makes them evil. It's really just about, like you know, the things that are stigmatized that we felt made us evil or messed up or whatever. It's about exploring that and understanding that it's all part of our story. You know what I mean? I think that's the interesting thing about your podcast is that I was thinking about this when I was listening to an episode and you were doing a tarot reading uh, for a couple of your guests. And I've always thought of tarot readings as like a scary thing. And I love that you destigmatize it and you put a really nice spin for the readings that you did for the gals on your uh, who were your guests. And I was like, oh, this is the first time, like not like I've never had. Uh, my cards read. I'm only basing this on what I've seen in fictional stories, which is very non-helpful. But uh, I just thought that was really neat because I do think that if we're going to say that 
men are considered wizards and women are considered witches, no one ever really thinks a wizard is a bad thing. You think a wizard is a really cool thing, right? And all of a sudden, because women are witches, they're like these terrible, demonic, um, awful people. And I think on the podcast, you, Bex, you do a really nice job of putting, um, I don't know, injecting more joy into it and more like a positive spin into what it means to be, whether it's a witchy auntie or friend or um, tapping into some of those abilities. And I was like, oh, I feel not terrified, <laughs> which I think is very cool. Mm. And that's what people have told me, too, is that like I do a really good job of relating the conflict. Like, so it's relatable because it's like, yeah. yeah, there's a witchy element. We, you know, we talk about witchcraft, we talk about whatever, but there, there's more to it than that. Because at the end of the day, I don't know. I, I think people who have been deemed witches historically were just like kind of people who were different outsiders, had different abilities. Um, uh, I think they were just women who wanted to be treated as equals. <laughs> or, like <laughs> intelligent women. That is totally true. But it's funny because I went to Salem last year and it was like something that wasn't, that isn't talked about for real. That isn't the major thing. That's the discussion about the Salem witch trials, which I don't understand is that the guy who was in charge of them was a big gambler and it was an easy way to take people's fortunes if they died and they did admit to being a witch, you could take everything. Uh, Yes. Yes. Mm. But if you said you, you know, if you refused, if you didn't admit to it, you were fine. And so like, it was a way of targeting the rich eclectic people like Giles Corey, who was, I think one of the richest men in town at the time, like they had accused him of being, you know, involved in witchcraft. Mm -hmm. And the story with him is like, they pressed him to death and they kept putting stones on top of him. And he was just like, more weight. So, I mean, he's a badass. So, but yeah. In fact, I was in uh, The Crucible. <laughs> I remember the character of Giles Corey <laughs> uh, quite vividly. This is a fun fact. The guy who played him was fantastic when he would say, more weight. Like, dang, really broke your heart. Anyway, but yeah, exactly. Like, I, I, I mean, yes, of course, I'm sure if we go back through time, half of the, half of the freaking scams that were going on were just people being like, I'm going to accuse you of this thing so I can screw you over in some capacity and not because you're actually a witch or actually a murderer or actually a this or a that or whatever. So uh, speaking of going back to our topic today, the early knots, Bex, Michelle, I never got on board with the show, but did you guys care for and or love the show Charmed? I've never seen it. See me neither. I didn't care for it. <sighs> I never have seen it either. I know of it. Um, I don't know. I just never got into it. It's, hmm, someone can yeah. add us and tell us if we should. Add us. We're going to do a witches episode at some point anyway, but it, I, I was like, hmm, witches, early knots. How do I? Ah, charmed. And of course, charmed. none of us, none of us ever watched the show. Um, all good, Bex. I'm excited to have you. Me and Michelle are excited to talk early naughty hotties. So <laughs> let's get this show started. Yes. Welcome back, guys. Crush Fictionally, we're talking. I, I love every time Kim says this. She came up with the hotties of the early naughties, which, if you're wondering, <laughs> that means late, late 
late 90s, uh, early 2000s. Uh, we've got a lot to cover today. But as I was looking at the crush I'm going to talk about, a topic came up where I thought um, we talk obviously on this podcast about fictional characters and love for these fictional characters. And one of the lines in one of the episodes that I watched, one character says to another, Oh, the fantasy is never as good as the reality. So uh, for anybody listening and for Bex and for Kim, I don't know. What do you think? Is that true? Is the fantasy always going to be better than the reality? Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. I, don't, I just think of all of the times in my life where I wanted something so bad and then I got it. And it's like, you know, you have that really amazing feeling. Of, yes, I did it. But then you're also just like, but now it's gone. Like I've done it, you know? And it, I don't know. I always feel like I, like I'm always really terrible about that with men. Like when I have a really big crush on someone and I hang out with them, sometimes I'm just like, I think I just built you up more in my mind. I have a really bad problem of doing that, actually. Oh, oh. So maybe like your expectations are too high, and so when you get to get to know that guy, then you're just like, oh, he doesn't at all meet the expectations that I had built up of who he was going to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I I think could be said for if we probably met any of, with the exception of maybe like Tom Hanks, if we met any of like the people who have played any of the fictional characters that we've talked about, we probably would be pretty disappointed because they're not playing a real person. It's was written for them by someone else and could be based on someone else's experience and they're just acting it out. Right. Like I often have found myself being like, oh, am I attracted to insert actor name or Mm -hmm. am I attracted to that character? Mm -hmm. And I think as I've gotten older, I know how to I know how to separate the two now because Mm -hmm. nine times out of the ten, the actor is nothing like the character, the actual character. Mm -hmm. And I mean, what do I know? It's not like I know these actors personally, but like if you see their track record and you see how they post on social media, how they talk to people, how they behave in public or whatever, you're like, um, you are insane uh, or whatever issue they may be. (laughs) They may be uh, dealing with as a said celebrity, but I think that is the whole reason why you and I started this podcast, right? Because this podcast is not about like, Oh, here's all my crushes on all these actors or writers or comedians or whatever. Mm -hmm. It's the character that I love. And uh, I, I gotta agree with Bex the fantasy is always better than the reality. Right. And And that's what's really telling. Yeah. That's what's so painful about it is that um, there was definitely like a guy that I dated in college. And before we started to date, I thought he was really cool and interesting and not that he wasn't cool and interesting. There just was something that never matched up. And I think it was because my expectations never matched who he was as a real person. I'd built up, maybe I'd built up like who he was fictionally in my mind or who I thought he was going to be. And so they were never, they were never going to be the same. Although nice, lovely guy. Don't know whatever happened to him, but (laughs) I think that's true. So we're talking, uh, I think fictional crushes from our youth, early naughties. So, well, as, (laughs) As always on this show, you guys know, you know, uh, Dealer's Choice, our guest gets to go first. So, Bex, who do you have as your hottie from the early <laughs> noughties? 
All right. The gentleman caller that I will be speaking upon, uh, gentleman caller, is a gentleman who was on a short-lived series that I think has stuck with most of us. It ran from uh, 1997 to 2002. I'm talking about Daria, and I'm talking about Trent Lane. Yes. Oh, Trent Lane. And honestly, I think now looking back, Trent Lane has kind of set up the standard of the men that I date, like very, Uh-oh. very real thin, probably <laughs> like weird music, might be a musician, might like be one of those people who's more um, like talk slow, think fast. Oh, like you get that with that, like, he was very like, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it was very like slow, like, you know, um, it's funny because like, this was one of those crushes that I feel like, again, has impacted who I am. But it was so reassuring because um, I, I don't have a Reddit anymore. I've taken it down so you can't see this post. And I'm sorry. But um, there was there's a subreddit called Lady Boners where women <laughs> sign me up. <laughs> That's exactly what this show is about. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, people post about like the actors that they like and. I don't know what was going on with me that day, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to post about Trent Lane and see what happens. And this post like blew up. Like I was thinking, you know, like maybe like four or five other people. No, there were like thousands of people who liked this post. Oh my God. All of the comments were like, Oh my God. Like, you know, and all of us were like, and somebody I remember was just like, y'all need Jesus. Like this is a cartoon character. I'm like, stop. You're so disrespectful. (laughs) Look, if you have not fallen in love with a cartoon or animated character, you have not lived the human experience. That is all I'm going to say. That rock rock is heavy. That rock you're living under is really heavy. (laughs) If you're telling me you saw Aladdin and you weren't like, look at that boyish smile. Come on. Listen, I'm 34 years old. He's the best Aladdin, hands down. Listen, exactly. Look, I watch, I rewatched Aladdin the other damn day. He's mm-hmm. still hot as all hell today for me as a 34-year-old woman as he was when I was nine years old. Hot, hot then, hot now. Um, I, I love that choice, Trent Lane. Bex, tell us why you love Trent Lane. I don't know. I think it's like, okay, I feel like I really enjoyed Daria because I saw myself in her a lot. And I think a lot of people from that time period, totally, you know, absolutely it resonates. And I think that there's something, a lot of, you know, um, individuals, they have like a crush on their, like, you know, friend's older brother or something like that. So there was something kind of like, you know, there were times where like you imagine yourself as Daria and you're just like, yeah. Yeah. Like the down the hall, like, I could have you if I wanted you, but not really because I'm awkward and I don't realize how attractive I, I am yet. Um, <laughs> theme with like Daria, you know what I mean? Is like she went through so much of the show and like was kind of just like not even interested in guys. And then it was like, who does she become interested in? Her sister, her not her sister, her friend's brother. But like that's like a crush and you don't think anything's going to happen there. And then she likes her friend's boyfriend. Daria, Uh-oh. that's cool. But um unrelated but i don't know there was just always something about trent like i said like i think he was just kind of like the personified like indie like like kind of alt rocker guy you know like mm-hmm. he was, yeah he was kind of like and i don't think that it's exactly him but like brandon boyd of incubus like i feel like if he oh my God. Into a cartoon character he would be very much like trent lane he would yes, yes. and 
it's funny because I saw Incubus. They did their, I guess it would have been 20 year anniversary show of, or, of, um, of their, what's the album? I can't think of what it's called right now, but it's the one that's like, everyone knows it's like, nice to know you. And it has all like the main song. Oh yeah. With all the hits on I, I can't, I can't tell you the album. Name. Matter, whatever. It, it's 20 years old. And I went to the show and like, I'm just seeing Brendan Boyd. And it was so weird. Cause I'm thinking like, he does give off Trent, you know, Trent Lane vibes, but also <laughs> why is he dressed in very Victorian fashion? Like <laughs> that concert. That oh god, Incubus, twenty years old. Oh my oh god, my god. Stop I it, hope everybody's head. listening is feeling really old right now. <laughs> Look, I oh god, Incubus. They had some good hits. Uh, yeah, Daria. I think Daria was such an excellent show in terms of being a show that represented, I think, counterculture, right? Mm-hmm. In terms of like, we, we, it wasn't a show about the pretty popular girls. It was about the, everyone else, the average person who was maybe the dry, sarcastic, witty, more pessimistic type viewpoints. And I think if you fell into that category, which I often did during my youth, I, I, that show resonated with me hard while doing research for the show, because Bex, we knew you were going to come in with Trent Lane. Everybody's got to go Google this, uh, this article Huffington post did an article two years ago. And the headline is literally perfection. It's headline is why was Trent Lane from Daria? So hot An investigation that is literally the headline of the article, and it's fantastic. The woman who wrote it actually interviewed the guy who did the voiceover for Trent, and it's just very fascinating. I think if you love Trent Lane like Bex, you should definitely Google that article, give it a listen. There's an audio clip in there and a lot of great like fun facts about the show. And I think what's so interesting, I don't know if I Bex, if if you said this at the top of the show or maybe it was just off tape, that you really liked his voice. And they talk about the gal who's interviewing the voice actor. She said, I so was so attracted to Trent Lane's voice. And then I did the, the audio interview with the actor who played him. And I was disappointed that he didn't immediately sound like Trent Lane, but he could turn it on and turn it <laughs> off. But we've talked about this on the show before about that. Sometimes you can find someone's voice, especially when we're talking about animated characters, there's something about someone's voice that can really resonate with you, or you can find very attractive. I mean, Aladdin's a, a perfect example. Oh, Aladdin has a fantastic voice. Like both the singing and the normal talking voice. Oh, delightful. I Is mean, do perfect? I need to mention the fox of uh, <laughs> Robin Hood and his <laughs> British accent? I know if anybody listened to our Disney episode, uh, you know, I'm laughing. I'll try. I mean, I'm getting regret just thinking about it. But man, he's got a sexy British voice. Uh, the actor who played Robin Hood. So... <laughs> And he's so got the. I wanted to circle back. Did Kurt Cameron do the voice of Aladdin? No, it's okay. what's his face, uh, DJ's boyfriend from Full House, which I'm blanking on his name. Uh, I just Scott Winger. There Steve, you go. Steve Scott Winger. Steve yes, was Steve. Yeah. Okay, because I was like, if if it were Kurt Cameron, bummer, because it's like one of those you know fantasy. Oh right. Thing again. Exactly. But Bye, Cameron. Kurt Cameron. <laughs> from full house so <laughs> he was really sweet on full house i think every girl had a crush on 
cute Steve on Full House. The character was adorable. Uh, speaking of uh, late 90s, uh, late 90s uh, nostalgia. But yeah, <laughs> boy, Kirk Cameron, you done digged yourself a grave uh, for the one. <laughs> we don't even lady. see you anymore. That grave is so deep. Oh, <laughs> but you're crazy religious. You can just not. <laughs> no, no, no. Bye. Bye. Um, let's move on to our next crush reveal. Michelle, who do you have? Oh, I, okay. My crush comes from a little show that ran from 1998 to 2002, Mm. a show called Felicity. And my Mm -hmm. hottie of the early noughties (laughs) is no other than the character of Ben Covington. I mean, come on, give it up for that name. Whoever wrote that name. If a, if an ugly dude showed up with the name Ben Covington, you'd be like, what happened? Um, he's played by an actor, uh, a Canadian actor, uh, Scott Speedman. And uh, for anybody who hasn't seen Felicity, uh, you can see it for free on the ABC app if you're so inclined. Okay. Uh, there are four seasons, lots of episodes, 22 or so each, and uh, starring Carrie Russell. You'll recognize Scott Foley from uh, he was he's an alias, right? Wasn't Scott Foley an alias or he married Jennifer Garner? Jennifer Garner's also Mm -hmm. in Felicity. Um, And you will also see Donald Faison from Scrubs and someone that I feel like we probably have talked about, Keenan Thompson from Saturday Night Live. Oh, Um, it is. It was written and created by J.J. Abrams and um, Matt Reeves. And the very first episode, I do not think this is a spoiler. And should you guys not want to watch it, that's fine as well. Um, but Carrie Russell plays Felicity. And there is a boy that she has always loved in high school, has had a huge crush on him, but was much too shy to talk to him and say anything. And he was kind of the popular boy in school. So on graduation day, she goes up to him and asks him to sign her yearbook. And what he signs in her yearbook uh, gets her so much more in love with him that she decides to not go to the college that her parents have told her to go to and move all the way across the country to New York to go to the same college as Ben Covington. And I Damn. feel like that's, that's a lot. Such a, it's that's a, a lot. lot. I don't know that I would do that. I think it's dumb and brave at the same time. Um, and I just think it's really interesting that this whole idea of having such a heavy weighted crush on a person that you would make this, monumentous decision based on that and you know what what happens when she sees him and what he thinks of her and their relationship as friends and you know them dating and and maybe that that fantasy probably isn't as good as the fantasy in her mind of what he was like probably never um he probably never really lives up to it in the episodes, but he's still, I went back and watched a couple episodes, particularly the first out of the first season to see if I still had a crush on his character. And ooh, do I do? And I? why, why, why do you, why do you love Ben? Clinton? I think he kind of represents that, that, that 
crush that we've probably all like always had that idea of like young love of somebody that you see from afar that really captures you and you Mm. think oh i i feel like if he knew me or i feel like if we talked then we would we would date or we would be together we would fall in love and i feel that sounds like such a simple thing but you know when you're young you think that you think that if you meet somebody just (laughs) <laughs> I still am convinced if me and Tom Hiddleston just crossed paths, <laughs> it like, would happen. Like, ah, like you just feel it. <laughs> yeah. Like he would just be like, oh my God, you're the one. And I'd be like, yeah, I know. I've been waiting for I you. I know. I've, we've been talking about it on this <laughs> podcast and I've been texting Michelle about it. But I, I yeah, love so that. I, I feel like I like that. I, I think that is there's something very like sweet and naive about that again like a young crush a young love or something where you're just like like you're giving the example of tom hiddleston i think people guys and gals feel like that you know about anybody you know someone that they haven't met or someone that they see in passing i think it's very like i love romantic gestures and romantic things so i think it's Mm -hmm. very romantic and i like that idea like i said and I mean this very seriously. Like it's dumb and brave at the same time. He moved <laughs> the country for just both. because he, he wrote something very meaningful to her in her yearbook. But you know, she takes that risk. And I was telling Kim outside of this podcast, I was like, I don't know that I would do something like that. Um, especially at that age of like seventeen or eighteen years old, I don't think I would have done that and been brave enough to go to a place where I knew no one and hope hoping this guy notices me. Um, you know, but hey, she you know, shoot your shot. And um <laughs> and for her it kind of like worked out for her, I guess. Uh I will say that when you watch his character, he doesn't make always the best decisions as I don't know, maybe the three of us can relate if you had a young boy, a boyfriend in your like late teens or 20s and you're just like, oh, he a damn fool. Um, but I think I, I still like his character for, for very much. He's just very cute. And he does have some moments where he makes some very romantic gestures where you're just like, oh, oh, that's so sweet. I would love for some guy to profess his love like that while I'm on the date with somebody else and just be like. I have to tell you, oh, love it so much. I have a question because I've actually never seen Felicity. Does it ever come out that that's the reason she went to that school? Like, does she ever confess that to him? She does. She does in the, I'll save you the first episode. She does tell him. She tries to play it cool. And then they're in a class together. And it's very hard to watch in that he doesn't, he recognizes her, but he can't remember her name. And if I think anybody can relate to that, if you saw your crush and they they walk right by you or they don't remember your name. They're like, oh, I'm so gutted. Like, I can't believe, you know, and he's with a girl when he sees her. And so she tries to play it cool and she tries to tell uh, her new friend, like, oh, I'm not into him. We just know each other from high school. And then she comes clean to him and is like, I can't believe you would write this in my yearbook and make me fall in love with you. And I came all this way. She tell, Well, she tells him and he can tell that he's, kind of creeped out and doesn't know what to say. <laughs> but he's very gracious about it. He's not he's not rude to her. He's just like, oh, okay, he doesn't know how to process it and it comes out later. And then um 
she kind of tries to figure out how to move on. And you see a really interesting dynamic of him kind of sorting through, oh, maybe, you know, maybe we do have a love connection. Maybe I was wrong and to not think tend to think that we don't have some that she's not important to me. So you get to see his process, his thinking and his whole process like evolve as far as how much he likes her. You guys ever wonder if you are the Ben Covington in someone's story? I would love to be the Ben Covington in someone's story. I'm not going to lie. Like, I mean, not necessarily like, oh, I moved across. I gave up everything and I moved across the country to go to the same college with you. But someone who like to think like that there is someone afar who was like, I think you're the best and I'm secretly in love with you and I can't openly admit it to you. I, I don't know. It's one of those things where I'm like, I wonder if I've ever been that to somebody and I just don't know. Yeah. I'm sure you have been. I don't know. I will say this though, because like I said earlier, I, I, I'm growing out of it now, but I used to have a really, really bad um, experience with romanticizing people and just kind of mm. like thinking about like what I thought they were like and stuff. And then, you know, cause the, and then you like, you know, if anything happens then it does like falls flat, but it's weird because like I had always been the one who, who did that. And then recently, like in the last couple of months that happened to me, like there was someone who I reconnected with and I was just thought it was just like, this is just a easy, fun, you know, easy breezy, beautiful cover girl situation. Mm. But then like, it seemed like, because he was, have you ever had a, a situation where someone is telling you like, uh, oh, what did he say to me? He was like, I just, you know, there's a reason we keep like finding each other. I'm like, what? oh, wow. Yeah. And like, you know, I feel like, and, and just the, these things. And I'm like, my dude, like I haven't seen you in like year. And like, and then there's something about like when it finally does happen to you and you're like, holy shit. Like I have so many people to apologize to because it's like being on the other side of that. Like it seems really great and wonderful and whatever, but it can right. be really overwhelming. Cause like when you yeah. were telling me about the whole situation with Ben, like, have you ever seen the show crazy ex-girlfriend? Yes. <laughs> it makes me think of Rebecca Bunch in the Josh Chan situation. Right. And, you know what I mean? And I'm just like, there is something super flattering about it, but it's also just like, where's that line? You know what I mean? Uh huh. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Where sometimes, well, a lot of the times, there's a very thin line between romance and stalking, right? And romance and maybe unhealthy behavior, right? And I think that's this weird line we walk with romance. I think it's probably the scariest part like people like for me i love romantic gestures absolutely love them and you know i'm very simple you don't need to go i don't know i guess like love actually on me and stand outside my house playing a fake uh, caroling choir or whatever and then have big posters telling me see you Rick Grimes we see you <laughs> that, telling me that I'm perfect although I'm not against that uh, but I love romantic gestures I love yeah. things that like show thought like that you that you did something mm-hmm. that you thought I would like and 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 gave that to me I think that's so wildly sweet but god there's a really fine line between uh, because when does it become love bombing? You know what I mean? Like yeah. when someone is just like doing all these things and you're like, they're so romantic. They're so this. And then, but there's always some sort of expectation, isn't there? Like they, they want you to think that you're, that they want you to think that they're the most amazing person ever. And then when like reality doesn't match up, mm-hmm. they get so mad. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, 
I don't know. I, it's funny because recently I've been rethinking a lot about my approach to like love and dating and crushes because I oh. feel like most of us, when we really think deep into it, we have really unhealthy dating habits. Oh, we absolutely. Really, like, you know. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's so funny because I have friends and, you know, they'll post about like their husband did this really romantic thing or, you know, they'll do a story about this thing. And and isn't it terrible that my mind immediately goes to what is he hiding? <laughs> What's this mofo hiding? Well, is that and I think some shit? What's interesting about this show is in going back and watching it, and is it is a little dated. I mean, there's pay phones and pagers and all kinds of craziness. Hey, we're in the early knots, baby. I know. What do you want? What do you want from me? They don't even have a flip phone. But I think what's interesting about the show is that in that first episode, like I can, I remember seeing it for the first time when I was around her age and thinking, Oh, don't tell that boy that you moved there for him. Like you got to play it cool. And then when she tells him, I remember thinking like, Oh, you messed up. You just told him now he's going to think you're crazy. You you messed up. And I think I thought that same thing in rewatching it this week. I was like, Oh, I forgot. She does tell him that's so awful. And you can see it from his perspective where he sees that she, that, she's being somewhat genuine, but he's also doesn't know he's caught off guard. He doesn't know what to say to her. He obviously doesn't feel that same way because he doesn't know her. And so you have, you have um, like empathy for her and for him, because you think you can understand what it's like to have a crush on somebody and Oh, how awkward and awful that must feel for him. And that, there's no right thing for him to say, right. you know, because even because you definitely don't want him to be like, I'm in love with you, too, because it's not realistic. And I feel like the show plays that out fairly well in that, you know, so she tries to get over him and move on and date somebody else who's played by Scott Foley as Noel Crane, who's kind of like the reliable nerdy guy. And for me, I I she had something sweet with Noel, but I never wanted them to end up together. I always wanted her to end up with Ben with all his bad decisions and them trying to find their timing. And I think that's a lot about life is like figuring out she needed to figure out herself. He needed to figure out himself too. And, and that's who you are. At least that's who you are when you're like in college or like in high school, trying to sort out like who you are as a person and who, and who you're going to become as like an adult. And I feel like they show that a lot on the show and trying to date the right people and find the right timing and not always making the right decisions and not having the best timing all the time. It's not just romance all the time. Mm. 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 Speaking of romance, Kim, Oh, guys, ladies, uh, non-gender conforming. <laughs> I am in love. Okay, I remember going to see this movie with my BFF at the time. And I remember distinctly being in the movie theater and being like, hot damn, this man is the man. Picture me. <laughs> 13 years old <laughs> vying for Wolverine in the original <laughs> X-Men movie. <laughs> yes. I love me. The original X-Men movie, which came out in 2000. And uh, 
I mean, yeah, and that came out in two thousand. Jeez, I know. Kill me now. So Hugh Jackman, of course, plays Wolverine. In fact, mm-hmm. Hugh Jackman has apparently the record for longest running superhero uh, actor who's played a superhero really? because he's been in several movies as the same character. So he has that a record going for him, but. X-Men, if you've not seen the movie or you have no idea what it's about, it is essentially, well, it's based off a comic book and uh, which got turned into an animated kid show in the 90s, which I also loved. And it's essentially about these mutants who ha- who are genetically different than other normal other humans and there's kind of like class warfare going on because normal quote unquote humans don't uh, they want to restrict mutants and take away their rights and uh, mutants want to be treated as, as equals. It's a very wonderful piece. I think on talking about social justice in a very clever way and through a superhero lens, which I think is very cool and why I love X-Men so much, but I mean, just picture it. The first time you meet Wolverine, he is this hairy beast and he is locked in a cage fighting another man and he's kicking this man's ass and you and you don't see his face yet. And then you and oh, God, girl, God, girl. I'm just getting goosebumps just thinking about how hot I'm getting looking. goosebumps. You the way that you're telling this story. I mean. I mean, we should just have an episode of you telling us more about Wolverine. <laughs> Girl, he's shirtless. He's like <laughs> beating this other man up. You can hear the sounds of his uh, uh, adamantium, which is like the special uh, metal that his body is made of. You can hear it. Obviously, as an audience member, you're like, oh, my God, it's Wolverine. It's Wolverine. And uh, of course, the man he's fighting doesn't know that he's a mutant because he keeps that secret. Otherwise, he would he should not. They will obviously not like him uh, in this fight because it's a fight for money, obviously a cage fight. So girl, 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 it's wonderful. It's I think Hugh Jackman is a fantastic Wolverine. Again, I was a nerd. I loved me the X-Men animated series growing up. There was high expectations for me seeing the movie and what I envisioned like an actor bringing Wolverine to life was going to be. And I think Hugh Jackman just hit that nail on the head real hard and did it for several years. And so I'm in love with Wolverine from X-Men. And yeah, there's a bunch of hotties in that movie. You've got Halle Berry playing Storm. You've got James Marsden playing Cyclops. I mean, come on. It's just like endless amounts of hottie after hottie. Uh, Patrick Stewart as Professor Xavier. I mean, the list goes on. But I, can I be honest? Um, Of course. I only love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. (laughs) Like... Like, I'll be honest, like other things that I've seen Hugh Jackman do that I'm not necessarily mad at, like I'm not like Matt Damon mad at, but I'm just kind of like, I'm like, oh, but I get it. I get it, girl. I'm with you. I love the way that you summarize that. Um, Everybody, we just need to count to 10 and calm down, take a cold shower, whatever you need to do after (laughs) Describe him with his shirt off in this fight scene. Um, yeah, I only love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. I'll say it. I will say that there was a really wonderful moment uh, a while back ago because he was in Les Mis and there was a, I think it was yeah. a man 
It was, I could be wrong, but there was an actress who it looked like she was going to fall or something oh. at some point. And like a lot of people were just like, Oh, and I remember like Hugh Jackman being one of the people who, and she was like, fine. She like, I think she, I think she fell and she like picked herself up, but there was a lot of people. And I remember like Hugh Jackman being one of the people who like <laughs> really like the look of concern on his face. And I was just like, Oh, that's, that's cute. Like, you know, you didn't do yeah. anything, but the intention was there. And that's what's important. Yeah. He, he seems like a good guy. He does seem like a good guy. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's funny that you mentioned Les Mis. He, I think every part, everybody probably knows this about him, but he started out as basically a Broadway actor, not technically on Broadway here in the U.S., but he was a huge theater, uh, musical theater actor in Australia. And so when they were, when they were casting X-Men, they originally envisioned... Um, Brian Singer, the director, he originally envisioned Russell Crowe playing oh, this role. Boo. 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 This is me like giving my thumbs down. And funny enough, I'm going to give a thumbs up again. I just booed Russell Crowe, but apparently it was Russell Crowe who insisted on Hugh Jackman. Oh, I'm sorry I said that, Russell Crowe. Yeah, yeah. So uh, the casting kind of changed quite a bit with this role. And I think it was Hugh Jackman came into it three weeks just before they started shooting, which is absolutely insane for a movie of that budget of that, of that level. So he kind of came into it really green and it was really funny. Apparently I read this online that (laughs) when he was preparing for the role, he thought he should uh, prepare wolf like traits and capabilities. And apparently Brian Singer had to be like, yo dude, uh, a wolverine is not a wolf. <laughs> it's an entirely different animal. And Hugh Jackman was like, oi! I don't know. I don't know if Hugh Jackman actually said oi, but Australians <laughs> say oi all the time. <laughs> oi! It's a wolverine! Well, a crikey, maybe a crikey was in there. Yeah, exactly. Know? Crikey! <laughs> that was terrible. Um, but yes, I just... I think... You know when an actor nails a character and it's I think the other thing that I read was Hugh Jackman apparently really struggled with playing this role because Wolverine doesn't say a lot. He doesn't have long monologues. It's very quick, short responses from him. I think one of the longest monologues he has in the X-Men movie, the first one, is there's a moment where he's talking to Rogue, played by Anna Paquin, and Rogue's character is run away. She wants to not be a mutant. She's ashamed. And he goes and he meets her on the train. He tracks her down, and he's like, yo, you know, let's not do this. Let's give these like, you know, professor Xavier and these nerds a chance. And I think that's probably the longest bit of dialogue that he has in, in one go, but that was probably, that was the biggest struggle that I read that Hugh Jackman had with that character. It was that he doesn't say a lot. And for someone like a theater, so it becomes like this very like physical role. Right. So everything is said through the physicality. And I think that comes through so fantastically and i'm not just thinking about a shirtless hugh jackman locked in a cage fighting another man but like I am. you said it it's not going anywhere <laughs> but there's so many beautiful moments where his face just says it all and i think he did a fantastic job and i mean i'm 13 I years I- old and l- looking at this grown man being like <laughs> damn girl damn gina 
<laughs> um, Gina, I liked that movie that he did as Wolverine. Oh, Kim, it's, and there's like the little girl who has like mutant powers and he kind of takes her under her wing. And I yes. thought he was excellent. I can't think of it, but I thought she was incredible. He was incredible in that. Um, fun, obscure fact is that when the, Wol- when the X-Men movies first came out and the Wolverine movie first came out um, Conan O'Brien had a show I think it was the Conan O'Brien show on NBC it was before he moved to TBS mm-hmm. and he did this segment where he said his writers came up with X-Men characters that unfortunately were never used in the X-Men movies and one of them yes one of them was Shoeverine <laughs> and um, instead of Instead of having claws on his hands, he had dress shoes. <laughs> and the other one was um, instead of Magneto, it was Velcro needle and <laughs> Nito. And one of his um, writers or uh, uh, like PAs on the show came out in a full Velcro um, outfit. And they would like guys off to the side would throw like stuffed animals and things that would stick onto the Velcro. Oh. And he would just walk around. And I My think of whenever I think of Wolverine, I mean, not that Conan O'Brien by any means cares, but I all, I very much giggle to myself thinking of Shoeverine and this guy coming out <laughs> with his dress, dress shoes. <laughs> it was just such a funny bit to me. And I think of Velcro Nito and I laugh to myself. But that's a good pick. That's a really good pick. As a girl. I think he, I, I definitely think Hugh Jackman uh, kicked me into puberty. Do you know what I mean? He, he, uh, uh, kickstarted me in my, uh, pre- my pubescent phase. <laughs> you were into it. You were into it. Well, I think with that, as we, like I said, count to 10 is after Kim described that, that fight scene and Hugh Jackman being shirtless, we are going to take a quick break and, uh, when we do come back, we are going to talk about a show that we think you might be interested in. Ooh. We'll be right back. Hey, this is Kim. And if you know me, you know how much I love coffee. I can't function without it. We don't have any advertisers, but we just want to use this time to give a quick shout out to a black owned business here in Los Angeles called Bloom and Plume. They're located at Echo Park. They do wonderful, beautiful, the most gorgeous lattes and teas and drinks you've ever seen in your life. On top of it, they sell some pretty awesome merch. Stop in and get a beautiful bouquet or an awesome, beautifully designed t-shirt. You won't regret it. That's Bloom and Plume Coffee in LA. And you can check them out at bloomandplumecoffee.com. Okay, you guys, welcome back to our episode of... <laughs> How many times do I have to say this, Kim? Hotties of the early naughties. I can't even it's say some it. of my I best. Can't even it is your best. <laughs> a lot more humorous. Hotties <laughs> of the early naughties. I'm just gonna keep saying it over and over. Well, as I mentioned before the break, we have something that we want. We always love to give you, you know, a recommendation, a little curated list, if you will, of things we thought that you might like or be interested in. Um, I talked about my fictional crush on. The cutie uh, from your high school or college days, Ben Covington, played by Scott Speedman. 
Scott Speedman, they just announced recently, is joining the Netflix TV series called You, Y-O-U, um, which is, I will say, uh, a really interesting show. I think it's a great show. Uh, for anybody who hasn't watched it, no spoilers here. It started in 2018. They have currently two seasons. Um, it features a main character who is charming and witty, um, some really great voiceover work. But I will say he's up to no good. And it's really hard to tell whether you should be as enthralled with his character considering the kind of things that he is doing. Um, so the main character in the first uh, season, he goes by Joe and Joe continues into a second season in a different city. He moves from New York to LA um, and gets into some even worse behavior in LA. I'll leave it at that. But um, our, our hottie from the early naughty, um, Scott Speedman, he plays a um, a new character in the third season, which will be coming out in 2001. So uh, maybe you guys want to check it out. A little Netflix show called You with Penn Bagley. And it's got the same gal who's in um, The Haunting of Blind Manor. Is that what it's called that just came out? Yeah. Perfect for yeah. Halloween and the fall season. Um she her character's name on you is called love so you can check out the two first two seasons as they ramp up for season three and some new characters if you need any more um scott speedman in your life i don't know if you do and you don't want to watch felicity he's also in a show called animal kingdom which um is if you like point break you'll probably love this show um <laughs> hot guys surfing and again, up to no good, doing things that they shouldn't be doing. I'm not saying that they're robbing banks with presidents' masks on, but, you know, potato, potato. Um, so Animal Kingdom, you can find that. Oh, I think it's on Prime right now. So uh, speaking of crushes, we usually like to wrap up the show with a few honorable mentions. We'll start with Bex. Bex, do you have any honorable mentions for the show today? Yeah, so, okay, you mentioned Conan O'Brien, which made me think of the movie Sugar and Spice. Have you ever seen it? Oh, I haven't. Okay, it's really funny. No. Uh, it's a bunch of cheerleaders who rob banks. That's the show. Yes. Okay, okay. So, so, anyway, but there is a part where one of the girls, I think her name is Cleo. I could be blanking on the name. But anyway, she has a huge thing for Conan O'Brien. And when we were talking about Conan O'Brien, I was like, that's so funny because that movie came out in the early 2000s. So um, personally, I think I have an affiliate, like a, I have a soft spot for tall ginger men. So uh, yeah, I suggest that one. I mean, he's not a major character. He pops up at the end. Um, but, but yeah, you know, he's funny. He's tall. He's a ginger. Conan O'Brien, he's on the list. I love Conan O'Brien. I think he is delightful. I've gone to see two of his live tapings here in LA for the show. By the way, I mean, if we ever get to a point where the world's normal again and you can see a live show, I highly recommend going to go see the Conan show because it is, as an audience member, it is so efficient. He totally respects you and your time as an audience member. He doesn't leave you waiting around. His team is so efficient. He is so kind. And 
it's really interesting to watch him work as a professional to see him in between takes, get notes and, and, and try things again, try a new joke. Oh, I'm in love with that man. I could not agree more Bex. I think God, lanky, tall, ginger. Sure. Sign me up. I, although I will say that I didn't, I didn't hop aboard the old ginger train until probably five years ago. And I, and it suddenly dawned on me that Mm -hmm. gingers are almost always grade A hotties. But they have such a bad rap. They have a bad rap. I think there's are some hotties out there with who are redheads. Um, Well, I would say that Tom Hiddleston is kind of a redhead, isn't he? He's got a few. He's got like ginger undertones. I'm a ginger uh, aficionado. <laughs> Sorry, what were you saying, Um, I do think it's funny that a lot of men who aren't redheads, like sometimes you'll see the red pigment in their beard. Yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. like I think that's super interesting. Yes, like my, my boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. Um, I lo- yeah. I mean, look, when I was younger, I think all I think all girls thought that Prince William was where it's at. Harry. And now everybody's like, "Yo, y'all seen Prince Harry? Uh, he is just—I just think he is so wildly handsome." But yeah, the ginger—I mean, ginger women, ginger men—a lot of grade mm-hmm. A hotties in that in that category. But anyway, I think I never placed that Prince Harry was my first ginger that I really, really was like, ooh, <laughs> yes. yeah. Your very first ginger. My very first ginger. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is offensive. I feel like ginger is like I a pot. I, I want to see this But just in case it is, because I do love redheaded people, <laughs> I think you guys are rare and you're beautiful, so hopefully you didn't take offense, but yeah, like they're, they are rare. Like I, I think I remember if hearing a few years back ago that like, um, what country was it? Was it Sweden or somewhere? They weren't accepting sperm donations from redheads anymore just because I guess the stockpile was so intense. And I guess a lot of people don't want to have like redheaded children, which is weird to me. Cause I think that is so weird whether to me. it's very blonde or like a deep red, I just think it's beautiful. I agree. I look, I think ginger people are gorgeous. I think man to to have like naturally red hair and freckles and like the fair skin. I don't know. I think it's just really beautiful. And I'm not being facetious at all. When I say that gingers be hottie. Okay. So anyway, well, they already know that if they listen to us talk about Eric Stoltz, who is a redhead, right. Um, Um, They know that we have a thing for redheads on the show, but uh, did you say your audible mention or did we just get so sidetracked by hot dudes with red hair? Conan O'Brien was mine. Yes. Bex was Conan O'Brien. Kim, did you say your audible mention? No, but okay. I've realized that I'm disturbed. Okay. Because again, picture me at 13 years old, year 2000. Yeah. I've dated myself. So what? I thought you funny enough, Michelle mentioned the show earlier. I love the show alias. And the man that I thought was attractive on that show, I shit you not, at that age, I thought Victor Garber was where it was at. 
Like, oh, he's he's a silver fox, I think. Oh, there is something about Victor Garber playing uh, Sidney Bristow's father, Jack. I Mm -hmm. just think that there is something so alluring about him. And I don't know. I don't know if he's got that zaddy. Is it zaddy energy? (laughs) (laughs) He's got that zaddy energy going on. Michelle's looking at me like I can't believe you said that. I'm way too old. (laughs) But like, oh, actually, I'm sorry. Alias didn't come out in 2000. Alias came out in what, like 2004, 2003. Either way, I was way too young to be into a man of Jack Bristow's age. But whatever, you can be into him now. I can. (laughs) I am at that age where I have no shame in finding Victor Garber a total hottie. But yeah, there's okay was it would you say as long as there's a pulse i mean it's fine (laughs) wow funny story though because i didn't know who victor garber was just based on the name so i had to look him up um he was in titanic he played uh uh, Mm miss andrews so fun fact i've never seen titanic (laughs) (laughs) that's pretty early all right yeah like that movie came out i get it I feel like that's now my claim to fame of no fame. I'm not famous, but my, I feel like it's a proud record for me. How long can I go in my life without seeing the movie Titanic? I love it. I think you should continue to not see it and then tell people that you've never seen it. So, so when they're like, do you think both fit on? And I feel like um, James Cameron, right? James mm-hmm. Cameron did Titanic. And I feel like James Cameron can take a little punch to the ego now and again. And so I feel like, that's your own personal, you know, claim to fame. You're like, oh, I don't need to watch your Avatar. What? Who cares? <laughs> my crying movie, the same scene every time, like clockwork always makes me sob. Uh, in Titanic. Yeah. Titanic? Which yeah. scene? The, okay, so you haven't seen it, but I don't think you're going to see it. I know uh, what happened. As, as it's closing out, there's a scene where, like, uh, Kate Winslet's character, whose name is Rose, um, she's kind of, like, elderly at this point, And you are kind of, like, having the moment of, like, these are the things that they were supposed to do together. Um, and it kind of just shows all of her photos. And you just realize that, like, she did it, you know, she did it by herself. And they're empowerment every time I just, like, sob. And then, like, Aww. she... It's debatable what people think happened to her, but she goes and she like kisses him and then everyone claps and I just start sobbing. <laughs> and then the movie like, closes out and I'm just like, I want to love like this. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to love like that. I just remember seeing that movie in the theater. Um, and I, I'm not trying to get on this train, like to say like, Oh, I thought of it first, but I remember when they're in the water and I was like, why isn't he getting on the door as well? They can both fit on that door. And I love that that is now like this ongoing debate that Jack could have been saved. Um, and was, is Rose really that selfish that she couldn't move her ass over so he could also get on the door, but whatever. (laughs) whatever guys yeah as someone who's not seen the movie i even know that running joke and uh i i watched funny enough i had to watch that scene when i was researching a sketch that i was writing 
And I was like, I'm watching this particular scene. And that was the first thing that came to my mind as someone who hasn't even seen the full movie. I was like, bitch, scoot over. Like, well, yeah, scoot over. Maybe it's actually, bitch, scoot over. Like, uh, let me fit on that door. And he's just like shivering in his cold water. <laughs> and then uh, and then later on, I'm supposed to be sad because he died. Well, you should have moved over. You guys both have been saved. But um, I do love myself some young D- DiCaprio. I don't know that I loved him That's then. but an honorable mention. A young mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. Jack. Yeah. Jack and Titanic. Uh, yeah, I, I personally think that I find him more attractive older. Same. Clearly, I like older men. So it's funny because my friend and I have this whole thing about Leonardo DiCaprio about how it took him a really long time to look like a finger quote like real man because mm-hmm. he was so youthful for so long. Yeah. And then finally, mm-hmm. like, I, it's funny because like, so I, I went on a date with this woman and I think the thing that made me like decide it wasn't going to work out is because she said that like, basically Leonardo DiCaprio was going to end up like Marlon Brando. I'm like, <gasps> wow, mm, that's a bold statement. I was like I never want to talk or see you again. <laughs> this date is over. This is is over. Started. I was like, "Don't you ever talk trash on Leonardo DiCaprio." We, yeah, he's one of those. Michelle and I have talked about Leonardo DiCaprio a many a time, and like mm-hmm. we're, uh, he's one of those guys where I'm like, "Oh, wh- uh, please don't be an asshole in real life. That would be so heartbreaking. I don't want to. I don't yeah. want to meet an asshole, Leonardo DiCaprio." Well, here's a good note then, because I remember reading this article by, that was written by like one of his former personal assistants. Oh. And she said that it was honestly like the best job because he is so down to earth. And there would be times that they would talk about like books and like music and stuff like that. And she would have this running joke when she would like curtsy in front of him. And he's like, you knock that shit off. <gasps> so I mean, like, he seems like a pretty down to earth guy. See, I, mean, I love that. Yeah, I know. I heard, I don't know how true this is. I read somewhere that he's really into comic books and comic book like art. And um, he was a big comic book nerd. Hmm. And um, I am just going to, it's not like he and I will ever meet, but I just like to think that even though he's out there um, doing cool things that rich celebrities do. He's just really into nerdy stuff. He's just a nerdy guy. <laughs> He's like, and check out my new latest Superman. Uh, <laughs> right? <laughs> check, out, check out these comic books that I have in plastic sleeves. That would make him so endearing to me. Right? It makes him so much more likable. So you just go with that. <laughs> and we don't have to worry about ever meeting our heroes or idols and thinking that they're jerks. All right. Um, Crushes, Michelle. I will close i will close it out with honorable my honorable mention um he played aiden shaw on sex in the city john corbett i he was one of those ones that i always felt like carrie should have ended up with that was a show that came out that that was (laughs) above my pay grade sometimes i didn't know (laughs) what they they were talking about because i was younger and he and to what kim was talking about about like older man I feel like he was like a manly man like he was definitely older to me and watching that show when I was younger and I but I still find found him like so appealing in the in his like honesty and he seemed very honorable and he could build you some furniture you know I absolutely loved Aiden 
I loved Aiden's character and and I and I will say that I loved Aiden's character more than I liked Big's character, even though mm-hmm. that you know, people will disagree with me on that and that that she should have um absolutely needed to end up with Big and that they were more alike. But I just was really heartbroken when she didn't end up with Aiden because I loved his character so much. I found him so refreshing and I loved what he brought to the show and I don't think this is necessarily at all meant to be a spoiler, but I don't know that she, that Carrie Bradshaw treats Aiden that well. And I think that was really disappointing to me. And that I was like, oh, here's this really great, not that we've all been on both sides of that coin where you've dated somebody who's really nice or kind or great and maybe you don't treat them that nice or you've been the one not treated kindly. And Oh, it just oh, it made me so frustrated because I wanted them to be together. And he seemed like such a great guy. And he was like this manly man and talk about romantic gestures. So I put him on my list as a hottie from the early noughties. He just really loved her, too. And you could just tell. And I think mm-hmm. that that's the thing that was like really heartbreaking. And like there's a scene after she cheats on Aiden with Big and they're trying to like get past it. And he's lost a ton of weight because earlier in the show when he was on, he was a little bit like thicker. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And he mm-hmm. loses a bunch mm-hmm. of weight. And you can kind of tell like in, in this interaction on, on this particular interaction is like, she tells him not to work out. Cause I guess he's going to go work out in the morning. And he was like, well, I'll get like pudgy again. She's like, well, I like, you know, that you're pudgy. And he obviously doesn't because I feel like it's in, an insecurity. I mean, like, cause understanding like where he was at and how he did love her so much. Like, I feel like, you know, he was just like, well, what was it? Like, what was it that, you know, made her go to this guy? And I feel like, you know, it was interesting, I guess, to see the, the, how men suffer, you know, from like, you know, body issues too. Like, and they have those moments where they're like, well, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not this perfection that like, Mm. you know what I mean? Like, and Mm -hmm. it's like, just like, I don't know, there was something really, like, heartbreaking about that. Oh. That, that, that scene, you know? Aiden's storyline, I think, is very heartbreaking. And I think that's on purpose. As someone who has literally no insight into the Sex and the City writer's room, I think part of me can't help but think that they knew they had to throw in a character where Carrie was going to break that person's heart versus her heart mm-hmm. being broken, right? And I think that was Aiden Shaw's purpose, sadly. And I think, I was thinking a lot about this during this week as I was doing research, but you, oh, there's always that character on a show or a movie or whatever where they've got a woman or a man or whatever has the perfect person who's in love with them. And you want to backhand that person so hard because it's like, what's mm-hmm. wrong with you? Why can't you return this person's he made love? Murder. He made them a bench for their <laughs> wedding. Girl, get so- together. Big is married to this supermodel woman. He's treated you badly. I mean, Ugh, it's ugh. it's it, but the thing is is that the thing that I keep in mind is that Aiden and Carrie were just never right for each other and Aiden's a good man I think a lot of women want to be with Aiden and I think that was what they were trying to accomplish with that storyline and having that character was yeah you can come across the quote unquote textbook perfect man but he may not be the man for you and I think that's what mm. I th- hope that's what that show was trying to say do I particularly like big 
No, we spend several seasons not really liking him. And then suddenly he redeems himself at the end. We needed to do an entire episode on Sex and the City, to be quite frank, because there's so many male characters and female characters that I love on that show. But um, again, I could be here all night because I love Sex and the City. In fact, my boyfriend often will say, uh, as I'm watching one of the show, if Sex and the City's on, he'll be like, you've already watched this episode. And I'll be like, You're like yes, so. yes, I've probably seen this episode 30 times. <laughs> uh, you're just going to have to live with it. But yeah, love Sex and the City. Don't like Carrie Shaw, uh, Carrie Bradshaw, uh, tre- her treatment of Aiden. But uh, I'm so sorry. There's something that like I never realized is that his name was Shaw and her name was Bradshaw. <laughs> like, huh. mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, I think a lot of people's toxic uh, obsession or obsession with toxic men started when they chose Big Over Aiden. Yeah, I think that's uh, an, there's so many things that I love about Sex and the City. I think it was so progressive for its time and. But that is the thing that I I also don't appreciate is just this idea of uh, training women or men or anybody to to have this unhealthy notion of if I just keep pursuing this person, they'll eventually change. Like, don't get me wrong. I, I do believe people can change, but it, yeah. And yeah. I think that's the part of like the realist, the realism within the show. And that maybe that's what the tri- writers were trying to get across is that we do that as people, right? It's like the mm-hmm. definition of insanity, doing the same thing and expecting a different result. And I think that's, what's so frustrating for all of us. That's that love Aiden as, as a fictional character. Cause you see him as this really good gra- guy who truly loves her and treats her right. And it's right in front of her. And then she goes and again pursues something that is not good for her. And she does it again and again. She does it even in the movies where you're just in yes. the movie version of Sex and the City where you're just like, oh, girl, I could have told you back in whatever season this was going to happen. Um, so I guess in some way it's very real. But I think that's why we love Aiden's character. But it's I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. I, I, I will always love his character and I'm always heartbroken that. He he has a baby with some other woman. So you're like, oh, I remember seeing him like when he's holding the baby. Yeah, he looks so good. And I was like, oh, God, man, I'm happy for him. But I but I was hoping, you know, hoping that it, it would turn out differently, maybe for the sake of that. She would have learned her lesson or, or grown up. But I feel like Karen just never did, though, because if I remember correctly, there's a scene where like she's dating this guy that she meets in like. Uh, it's not AA, but it's it's like, it's like one of those like groups, and like uh, or no, Sherry, she meets him in therapy. She meets yes, him in, the in the waiting room. In the waiting room, and they mm-hmm. date, and then like after they have sex, like they kind of like talk about their issues, and he's like, and she's like, "What's your issue?" He's like, "When I have sex with women, I completely lose interest." What's your issue? And he's like, "I always want to be with men who don't want me." And <laughs> yeah, yeah, I picked the like, wrong men. The room. What the yeah, fuck? and like it was right in front of her, and like you know, she just. I don't know. I have a really difficult relationship with Carrie. It's funny. My sister told me that I ruined Sex in the City because I reality reality. I, I made it too like reality. Uh, why can't I say words? <laughs> I put too much reality into it and broke it down for her in a way that she didn't like it. I'm like, well, I don't like it because I'm Carrie. Like I see the things in her that I don't like sometimes in myself and my dating. Mm-hmm. 
So that's, I think, why I'm also just like, like, Carrie, you don't have to be this way. And I'm really talking to myself. <laughs> uh, I love that. I think, uh, why don't we close out this episode and each of us have to name which character we're most like from Sex and the City. Uh, so if Bex is Carrie, I think I'm Miranda. Oh, I was going to say I'm probably more of a Miranda than than anybody else. Maybe a mix of Carrie and Miranda. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Yeah, I think I'm pretty Miranda. <laughs> Same. It's funny because like, they're, they're with the redhead thing again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's okay. What are you going to do? I appreciate Miranda like now as an adult because obviously she just like loved her best friend and she just like wanted to look out for her and she was always the voice of reason. Yes. And those are important friends to have for sure. Very important friends. Uh, Again, Michelle and I will have to crank out a Sex and the City theme episode, one of these episodes, because I think we could be here all night talking about Sex and the... Oh, God. All night talking about Sex and the City. I know I, I know I could definitely be here for hours. I'm not going to do that to you guys. Bex, can you let our audience know how they can find your podcast and find you on social media? Yeah. Um, so I'm most active on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, my personal handle is Bex B. Kasten. Uh, you can find my podcast on Instagram and Twitter as well. Uh, that's Tutia Bruja. Don't put an accent over the A because Instagram won't let you do that. Because <laughs> they hate languages. Anywho, but yeah, you can find me there. Um, I'm pretty accessible. Uh, I also have a website, which is bexbecasted.com. Slip into my DMs. It's whatever. I like to talk. Love it, Bex. I had yes. such a great time. So much fun. Talking Thank to you, you. So much for having me. This is great. Oh my God. We could talk about Trent Lane, Wolverine, Ben Covington. All night long. <laughs> All <laughs> night long. All right. All night. <laughs> God, don't even. So stay tuned for our next episode. We're going to have the ladies from the podcast, P.S. I Love Rom-Coms. So if you liked this episode where we dipped our toe into romantic comedy, then you'll definitely want to listen to this episode. Until next time. Thank you. And thank you, Campfire Media. Bye. See you soon. Bye. In between episodes, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Crush Fictionally. And feel free to slide into those DMs. Or tell us about your favorite fictional crush when you leave us a review on Apple Podcast. And we'll read your crush out loud on the next episode. You've been listening to Crush Fictionally with original music by the talented Edith Mudge. Artwork by the incredible Rose Feddock. And produced by the amazing Peter Burns. Thanks for listening. I'm Michelle Veray. And I'm Kimberly Trung. And remember to love yourself. Because your love is real. Oh, hello, you. What's up, hoes? I'm Mary Kay McBrayer. I'm Mary Amelia Byer. Uh.
I'm Rachel Estridge. And we like scary movies. Let's be more specific. We like analyzing scary movies. Okay, but let's be a little bit more specific. We like making fun of scary movies. Let's be even more specific. We have to make fun of scary movies so that we can sleep at night. We host a horror comedy podcast called Everything Trying to Kill You that rips all your fave horror movies a new one. And bonus, we'll tell you jokes from the perspectives of... Feminist ethnic minorities. And queer women. Which might be something you haven't considered before. Sure looks like Hollywood hasn't. So check out Everything Trying to Kill You. New episodes every other Friday on Campfire Media. Campfire.